0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's The Rundown with your boy, Reed. And I'm your host, your boy, Reed. Coming back at you with episode 16, nice and super quick, on this Tuesday, April 2nd, 8 p.m. Recording this, hopefully get it out to you guys by about 9, 9.30. Uh, get you get it ready for you before you go to bed, before you go to work tomorrow. But i uh, got some good stuff. Big stuff going on in sports. We got the tournament from this weekend. We're going to recap the games going into the Final Four of this upcoming weekend. And uh, big news with the Braves. I know we talked a little bit about the Braves also last podcast and then some news with the AAF. I know we have also talked about that in the past. We had Gus on talking about how optimistic we were about the league and uh, some news came out today that was the opposite of optimistic. So we're, if we have time, we'll get into that too. But without further ado, here's episode 16. Appreciate y'all rocking and rolling with me. Uh, yes. So sweet 16 games. Like I had said, they were about all they were cracked up to be with, with, with the blowouts that had happened in the, uh, in the weekend prior to this, this past Weekend, I was I was predicting we were going to have some pretty good games, and sure enough, we did. Um, the first game I want to talk a little bit about is. Purdue, Virginia, I mean, holy cow, so uh, Virginia was a number one seed, and no one was really too strong on Virginia, I personally had Virginia losing to Tennessee after I had Tennessee beating Purdue, Uh, that did not happen, Purdue ended up beating Tennessee like we talked about in the last episode, to advance to the Elite Eight to play Virginia, and they played them very tough, and not really the whole team in general, but let me talk about my guy Carson Edwards, holy cow. Carson Edwards, the guard, the point guard for Purdue, this guy was acting like Steph Curry out there against the, the Virginia Cavaliers. I mean, he did not care. He was launching up threes from the logo, and he was draining them. And it was like, hey, let the shooters shoot. And Virginia almost had the attitude like, we're, we're, we'll we let Carson Edwards get his, but he's not going to single-handedly beat us. And I think that Tony Bennett, the Virginia coach, actually realized at halftime that if they kept doing this, Carson Edwards might actually single-handedly beat them. So, uh, there were some, there were some adjustments made at halftime. I know Tony Bennett said at half they were going to go with more length in the second half for Virginia. And that is something that they did. Um, Carson Edwards still ended up with 42 points. But the thing is, he had no help from his supporting cast. He, he was the only player in Purdue with double figures. He was 14 for 25 from the field, 10 for 19 from three-point range. So he had 10 three-pointers. And, and 42 points total. That's pretty crazy. That's a heck of a game. I know it's tough because Virginia ended up winning the game. But Purdue absolutely gave Virginia everything they could they could have. Uh, the game ended up going into overtime. It was totally up and down. I'm hoping Virginia loses personally because anybody that I'm going against in my bracket pool has Virginia. I want them to lose so they don't get the points. And that's the way everyone else should have been thinking also unless you had Virginia. And Virginia's not the the sexiest the, the 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 most attractive pick but they're they're more of a, 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 a I'm trying to think of the word more of a, a a conventional they they like to slow the pace down they like to go at their own pace make you score instead of scoring about 60 points they want you to score about 45 and they get you to start talking nice and slow like this but but Purdue kind of brought the game to Virginia and someone that really had a great game for Virginia would be Kyle Guy the the guard for them the 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 stud guard for them it was like every time Carson Edwards came down and hit a three or hit a clutch shot and you're like oh my gosh Purdue is gonna take over and they're gonna win this game Carson or excuse me Kyle Guy would come down especially in the second half I know he had a had a pretty slow uh, first half and he actually rolled his ankle in the first half and that was something that was that was that was not good for for the for the Virginia faithful. And going into halftime, I mean, you couldn't have been super optimistic as a Virginia fan. You're down going into half. One of your best players has just rolled his ankle. And and, and anybody who's rolled their ankle knows. I mean, it could be really bad really quick or you could be able to power through it while the adrenaline's going uh it seems like Kyle Guy was able to power through it you know he got it re-taped up he went over to the bench got it re-taped up went in for halftime and and came out and balled out like like the way he should and he was five for 12 from three-point range himself almost glowing blow for blow with Carson Edwards at one point but I'll tell you what that Carson Edwards kid man he was straight balling I mean just to have 42 points in in the elite eight pretty pretty special i know like i've said like i said before it is sad it is sad to see them lose i personally was sad to see them lose and the way they lost i mean it was like virginia had to pull out everything they had in the bag to to pull, to secure this victory i mean it came down to virginia at the line Excuse me, Virginia coming down to tie the game with with like no time left. The Ten seconds, they take a shot. The ball ricochets back, and I, I remember looking up at the clock. And 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 Caitlin's already celebrating because he, she thinks that Purdue won. Three seconds left on the clock. The, the, the guard for Virginia. I mean. Uh, what's his name? DeAndre Hunter. Excuse me, DeAndre Hunter. I mean, he saved the day. He secured that board. Looked to the sidelines, made everyone on Purdue think he was going to the sidelines for a three-pointer to win the game to one of his teammates, and and he threw it in a super quick pass to uh, Mom Di, Mama D Di Diaquite, and uh, and Diakite was able to get that shot up with literally no time left on the clock to send it into overtime. And as a casual fan such as myself, watching that game, you know. At that point, Virginia's got got to have moment. They had momentum going in their in their in their favor going into overtime, and they were able to secure the victory in overtime. Super super disappointed for me to see, and uh, and was one of one of many tough losses that I actually took in my bracket took uh, throughout the weekend but a great game nonetheless. It went to overtime, so you can't really be too upset about that. And Virginia being the uh, the number one seed that they are, they actually advanced to the Final Four, so congratulations to them. The second game I want to talk about a little bit is Texas Tech Gonzaga. This is a game that I personally, like I've said before, I had Texas Tech going to my Final Four. We talked a little bit about the la- on the last show about their coach and how he's a Bobby Knight disciple and how they play that switching man defense and they just suffocate you on defense and they get you out of your game plan. And this is some that they did against gonzaga and and they took it right to gonzaga and 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 nate i know he was on last show producer nate and, and uh he was talking about jared culver as someone who he might want to see on the hawks and and i agree i mean after watching texas tech really play again i know i watched him play a little bit against michigan but that game was over so quick it was kind of hard to judge the the the, the guys that were playing and in a close game against gonzaga everybody was playing their best and culver was definitely uh, the standout guy for for Texas Tech in my in my opinion Uh, he had 19 points he's an all-around great guard he would be an excellent compliment to Trey Young in my opinion for the Hawks and like I said before Texas Tech then they just brought the absolute swarming defense to Gonzaga and it paid off I mean it seemed like it seemed like Gonzaga, like I like I talked about it in the Purdue, Virginia game, Gonzaga being a number one seed also, it was like they were taking every punch and they weren't getting knocked out, but they were taking it, taking it, taking it. And it seemed like 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 we talked about Hachimura, Rui Hachimura had another big game for Gonzaga, and it was like he was coming down every time. He was one of the only guys that really stood out to me for Gonzaga. He had 22 points. But, but turnovers, like I said, seemed to be the key that, that threw Gonzaga off, off their, their game. And Gonzaga committed 16 turnovers. No, granted, I didn't go back and see how this is compared to uh, past games. And, and But 16 turnovers, that's unusually high in my opinion for any team. I'd say you want to be right around five, six, under 10 at least. So that's suffocating Texas Tech defense. Your boy Reed picked them to go the final four and what do they do they mess around and go to the final four so super excited for that Um, they were able to take down Gonzaga someone who I'm not always a huge fan of and they they go and stamp their ticket to the Final Four. So at this point, you know I'm flying high going into Sunday. We got Kentucky, Auburn, and then Duke, Michigan State uh, Saturday or excuse me Sunday night. Super excited to w- watch those games. And th- the reason that Kentucky actually was playing Auburn was because I know we talked in the last show they were about to play Houston. They took care of Houston, and Auburn actually beat a number the number one UNC team that we had talked about. So uh, both teams coming off wins. I know Kentucky being the two. beating the number three Houston team not an upset but Auburn beating the uh, beating UNC UNC was actually the first one seed to fall in the tournament with Gonzaga being the second but when I'm going into Sunday, into Sunday, I'm thinking, okay, Auburn had a had a great game against against uh, uh, UNC, but are they going to come out flat? Are they going? Ha- did they did they leave everything on the line against UNC? And 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 they also lost a key player in Chuma Okiki to a torn ACL against UNC, and that's something that, that Coach Bruce Pearl was emotional about after the game. You know, he was he actually teared up in the post game, and they had a uh, uh, Kiki. Stamped the bracket for them after the game, but but the it was not good. And after watching the play, anybody who knows sports and has seen an injury like that knows when a knee buckles like that, it's usually not good. So torn ACL for him. Um, so yeah, I was thinking Auburn was gonna be gonna be dead. Uh, all that all that adrenaline was gonna be gone going into the game against Kentucky. But I was actually pretty wrong. And uh, and and they came out they came out strong. And and it I, it was funny because I know we talked in the last show about PJ Washington being a, a, a huge factor for Kentucky if they wanted to make a run to the Final Four, as I was hoping they would, as I had Kentucky in my Final Four. And he played against Houston off the he came in, played against Houston off the bench, and, and dominated, I mean dominated, for not being not not for not playing as long as he had played and coming out of a cast. I don't know if any of you have had a cast on, and then get it off, and then two days later try and play any type of athletic sport, anything, even try and go for a, a two, mile walk or run, I mean, that would be horrible, and none of us are six foot whatever the heck PJ Washington, I mean, he's what, 6'10", somewhere up there, don't quote me, but with P.J. Washington in the fold, I'm thinking Auburn's going to have some issues with Kentucky, and, and he came off the bench against Auburn, and he still was a, a great, great, had a great game for them. Um, someone I also want to talk about that could possibly be in a Hawks uniform next year, someone, if we're going to talk about somebody in the front court and not somebody go with Trey Young, somebody in the... In the in the back in the front court, we're going to talk about someone to go along John Collins alongside John Collins, and I could see PJ Washington being a great compliment to John Collins. Both of them being kind of like uh, swing three, four, five guys uh, gives gives the team a lot of flexibility, and that would be someone I'd like to see play for my team. Um, but Kentucky came out and and looked great. And it's something that Kentucky has always seemed to struggle with in the tournament and something that P.J. Washington personally struggled with and something that I believe cost Kentucky the game ultimately. But that's going to be their free throw shooting. I mean, you know, you can talk about P.J. Washington maybe – you can't blame the game on him, in which I'm not doing that at all, but he was definitely rusty from the line, and that that might be the last thing that someone, actually, that should be the first thing that someone works on, now that I think about it, but him him having a foot injury, they probably had him off that as much as possible, but you gotta make your free throws, if you wanna give your team a chance to win, you gotta make your free throws, and that's something that Kentucky did not do, they they went 12-for-21 from the line, after starting out a strong 7-for-9 from the line, and Kentucky, I know they showed during the game, they're one of the most fouled teams in the country, or were one of the most fouled teams in the country, and that leads that shows me that they got to the line a lot, and, and maybe if they were able to sink some more of their free throws, their record would have been a little differently, and I honestly believe the Auburn game would have been a little different in the outcome, but... That just shows you got to put in the work in the gym. Um, little local product, uh, Ashton Hagen's the guard for for Kentucky. He had ten points from Cartersville, Georgia, uh, ten points and five rebounds. A great little scrappy guard. Someone that actually was reclassified, so he still should be in high school, but got reclassified. Ended up going to Kentucky. And that brings me back to how many guys are there in the tournament? It seems like every team that, that I look up uh, the rosters for, there's a guy that has the GA next to his name. And I'm just thinking... How how I know I keep coming back to this and harping on this. How are we going to keep these guys in state? But that actually does give me some hope for UGA basketball, and hopefully we can keep some of these guys in state like Tom Crean was able to do, and Anthony Edwards, someone who has had the opportunities to go anywhere he wants, such as Kentucky and all these other schools, um, but Tom Crean was able to keep him at home at UGA, and like I've said, if you're going to stay in college for only one year and you want to have a good time, why not go up to Athens, Georgia? If you're from the state of Georgia, you'll be treated like a God up there. You'd be able to turn the culture around. Something that's interesting, something we'll see moving forward. Um, But that's just my little side tangent. But like I said earlier, if P.J. Washington had a great game against Auburn, I mean, you can't really get mad at him. He had 28 points, 13 rebounds in 37 minutes in his second game back. So maybe a little lack of of help from his supporting cast, but I'm always going to go back to them not being able to hit their free throws. And that's something that I think Coach Cal needs to really talk to his guys about and work with them some more man have them run those suicides and shoot those free throws like we used to do back in the day I can't call them suicides anymore actually what are they called down and backs or something now probably I don't even know but the game the game ended up going to overtime at Auburn and Kentucky you know Auburn Auburn got it got it into overtime and ended up coming out on top 77 71 and those Auburn guards they really just took over the game not only that they 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 controlled the game at the end of the game for the most part and it's so funny because I'm gonna go right back to it, these two guards, Bryce Brown, who had 24 points, and Jared Harper, who had 26 points. Where is Bryce Brown from? He's from Tucker High School in Stone Mountain. Where is Jared Harper from? He's from Pebble Brook High School in Mableton. So, these are guys that are studs in, in the league, leading their teams to the final four, and, and, and they're in state guys. So, I mean. I'm gonna go ahead and just, and just get behind Auburn at this point, knowing that they have all these guys from the state of Georgia and being an SEC team. I'd, I'd like to support them. Um, Auburn was 18 for 24 from the line. So if you want to talk about some disparaging, uh, some disparaging statistics, that's a good word for you guys. Eight, Auburn, 18 for 24 from the Lions. They missed out on hypothetically six points. And Kentucky goes 12 for 21. So that nine points that Kentucky missed out on. That, that That's a big difference, especially in the game going into overtime, a game that was decided by six points overall. Kentucky makes six more three throws. The game goes a double overtime. They make seven. They actually win the game. So... Um, Tough game. I, I took the loss from Kentucky with Kentucky. Uh, I, I, at this point, I'm like, man, this is tough. Uh, uh, tough loss, and it is what it is. But I still got Duke coming tonight, and I want to give one more shout out to Chuma Okiki, the, the guy I talked about, the, the the forward that tore his ACL for Auburn in the in the uh, Sweet Sixteen game against UNC. He is actually from Westlake High School, which is where in Atlanta. Georgia. So best wishes to, uh, Okiki, Chuma Okiki. Uh, speedy recovery from him and that ACL injury. Hopefully he will be back to normal next year. Um, I know these ACLs are getting quicker than ever, but yeah. Auburn and Texas Tech are the two teams left that I'd like to see win. Auburn, like I said, has the local flair. And Texas Tech, because not only I picked them to go to my Final Four, but I like the style of play that they have. That press in your face, slap the court, man-to-man defense, hard switches, forcing turnovers, and disrupting everything. So I, I, I like that. But at this point, I'm like, all right, Kentucky lost. I already have Texas Tech in my Final Four. As long as Duke takes care of business tonight. I'm fine. Duke's going to win the national championship. I got nothing to worry about. And the main event was the main event. And and Duke had a very, very sloppy game. And I know we, we had talked to you guys right before the Duke-Virginia Tech game. And this is something that no one actually knew until the Duke-Virginia Tech game. Cam Reddish actually did not start for Duke and did not play for Duke. And this is something that was that was... Uh, surprising to most people to hear and a lot of, a lot of stuff was flying around and then we actually were able to figure out at about halftime of that Virginia Tech game that it was a knee injury, um, that kept them out of the game. Alex O'Connell actually started for Duke being the pride of where? Milton High School in Milton, Georgia, just north of the city. Another guy that we'd love to see in a dog uniform. Uh, Maybe he's got a little brother. But, yeah, Reddish ended up not playing. Duke squeaked out another tough one against Virginia Tech on another buzzer beater where Virginia Tech missed an alley-oop to to tie the game and send it to overtime. But, yeah, Reddish missed the game, being one of those three-famed freshmen alongside— or four-famed freshmen, I guess, alongside R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Trey Jones. But, um, we I know we talked a lot the last episode when Nate was here about how Michigan State had the coaching in Tom Izzo and the experienced players to to give Duke a game and and this is something that definitely showed I mean their experience and their coaching definitely 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 came out. Came came to show in this game. Michigan State really had no panic throughout the game, and 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 the exact opposite actually happened to Duke and their freshmen. I mean, the freshmen kind of looked like freshmen in this game. They Duke had a, had a had a uh, season high seventeen turnovers in this game. and I mean, know I know RJ Barrett had twenty one points. Zion Williamson had twenty four, and uh, and the game ultimately came down to the fouling game. Duke was winning throughout the whole game. Zion had a couple great dunks. And uh Michigan State kept in the game though. Like I said they held their composure. Coach Izzo kept those boys focused and 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 their their experience really showed. Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman both led the way for uh, for excuse me for Michigan State. Winston having 20 points and Tillman having 19 and Cassius Winston who is a junior and Xavier Tillman who's a sophomore. So I don't know if that extra experience came to uh came to show but yeah, those Duke guys they they really struggled and it was almost like Duke you could tell was the more talented team but they had a sloppy game and if you have a sloppy game against a great team like Michigan State like 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 yourself and you don't make up for those for those 17 turnovers I mean 17 turnovers that's a lot of turnovers to have in a game I know we talked uh, just a minute ago about all the turnovers that Gonzaga had I mean shoot Michigan or, uh, Duke had more turnovers than they did and they weren't even playing Texas Tech so uh, sad to see that and and it came down to the end. RJ Barrett on the line, I believe. About six seconds were left in the game. right around there. It was under ten, and he had two free throws to tie the game and uh, virtually give Michigan State the last chance to get a, a shot up to tie it and send it to over. Or excuse me, to take the lead instead of sending it to overtime. But Barrett missed the front end of the two free throws, and I was in shock, just like anybody else. Ended up sinking the second free throw, and about six seconds. Excuse me, about six seconds left. Duke had didn't have enough fouls. They weren't in the bonus yet. So they had to get one foul. They had to get another foul. They had to excuse me. They had to get two fouls total at that point. They were able to get one within a second or two. And then the second one, Cassius Winston just caught the ball and started running down. I mean, he took off. He shook whoever was defending him. And with five seconds left, he just was able to take three or four dribbles, throw the ball up in the air, and the game was over. And it's like, holy cow. Duke just lost. I mean, my bracket was officially busted in two games. I watched two of my Final Four teams lose, and uh, my prospects of of winning my bracket, like we talked about in the last in the last podcast, with noobs Sarodia and the boys from from Asheville, and a, with a couple extras, uh, it was definitely definitely dead at that point for me. With me having Duke winning the national championship. Um, <clears throat> But that's why they play the game, ladies and gentlemen. That's why they play the game. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, one more little thing, and then we're gonna talk about getting into some brave stuff. Be interesting to see. I know we talked in, in past episodes how the ratings for this tournament have been the highest since I believe I uh, I read 19, either 1991 or 1995. Regardless, a long freaking time ago. Uh, since 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 the ratings were this high, but will the ratings be this high going into the? Finals? Final four with Virginia being the only number one seed left, maybe like I said, not being the sexiest pick, playing the slow pace of play that they play, and no more Zion Williamson and no more real star power in the individual on the individual player level. Like I said, we have some star power in some people like Coach Tom Izzo. I know Kyle Guy is, is a great, great, great player for Virginia. Not, not an everyday household name. Um Texas Tech, Jared Coliver. Like I said, great player, not a, not a, not a household name. So. Um be interesting to see those ratings going in after the final four hopefully there are some great final four games we're going to come back at you guys with another episode later this week previewing those final four games before this weekend and give you our picks for those games diving a little more in depth into those i wanted to give you my little synopsis of the sweet 16 and the elite eight just uh, just recapping that and what i thought going into the final four so that's my take on that and uh moving right along i know we talked about the braves in the last podcast and we were somewhat in panic mode. I know the Braves had lost that game, uh, had lost... Two games when we had talked to you, or excuse me, the the, the opener against NOLA when we had talked to you, and they ended up getting swept by the Phillies, and everyone was down. Everyone was talking about how we needed help in the bullpen. I mean, even I was sipping the Kool-Aid talking about, man, they really need to go back and, and look at Craig Kimbrell and and what's going on with the Braves. I mean, the bullpen didn't look very good. The starting pitching didn't look very good. The only thing that seemed to look good in Philadelphia was the Phillies, and, uh, and that was very discouraging. But we were able to get them back home. Last night on Monday against the Cubs, with a home opener, I know I was a little nervous myself coming off the sweep against the Phillies. We after getting swept by the Phillies, I'm like, oh lord, the Cubs are not are not a pushover. And uh, and they started a Kyle Kyle Hendricks, who who's a very quality starting pitcher last night against the young Sean Newcomb, who who had a great first half like we talked about last year, and uh, he actually came out. And uh, the Braves came out, and they came down the red carpet, literally a red carpet in center field. I'm just kind of shaking my head, laughing, like, what the heck is going on? You just got swept in Philly. You better come out, and you better play well, boys. And the Cubs, I mean, were probably shaking their heads. I mean, I can't really get upset. It's opening day at home. It is what it is, part of the fan festivities and part of the showbiz of Major League Baseball and professional sports, but... uh but they definitely put on a show for the boys at SunTrust. They got out to an early lead against the Cubs, and they really didn't turn back. And this is something that was awesome to see. Um, <clears throat> uh, and, but there, the, one, the one thing I did not like to see was after the Braves got out to an early 3-0 lead, like we talked about, Sean Newcomb coming out for the Braves, he did not put them away. And someone who, who was a starting pitcher myself throughout my career playing baseball, whenever you have a lead— especially a multiple-run lead, you want to be able to come out, you want to be able to pound the strike zone and make the other team beat you with their bats. And that's something that Newcomb was not able to do. He ended up throwing 90-plus pitches in just four innings, ended up walking four guys in four innings, and really, really, I mean, a couple hits from the Cubs here and there. In this game, they could have really easily been right back in the game. Now, granted, Newcomb was able to work out of some trouble, but he got himself into that trouble by walking guys and not throwing strikes. And, you talk to anybody that plays baseball. I mean, me as a pitcher, I felt bad not only personally when I couldn't throw strikes, but as a fielder, you get so bored behind your pitcher when you're just standing there waiting for him to throw him in the zone so maybe the hitter can hit it. And... Uh Maybe something we need or hopefully something that Newcomb will get better on. Hopefully he was just a little nervous. I know the weather was a little cooler. I mean, in Atlanta, you can't really complain about that, but maybe some grip issues with it being early in the year, but we'll see with that. Hopefully he'll come out next, uh, next start and, and be throwing up some, some strikes because he wasn't even eligible for the win. Only pitching four innings. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this, but you have to pitch. I believe it's six innings to be eligible for the win or uh, if not five. And, uh, and that's something he wasn't able to do, so he wasn't able to get his first win of the year. But the Braves were able to get their first win of the year, and that's huge. Brian McCann made his debut for the, or not his debut, his home debut for the Braves, being back home where he's from. He's from Gwinnett County, and in his first at bat, he had a two RBI base hit. The place went crazy at SunTrust Park. What a great environment that must have been. I had a lot of buddies that I saw uh, that were at the game. I know David Paulson had had possibly the most valuable shirt of all time for Opening Day when it comes to opening day brave shirts or just brave shirts in general so shout out to him um but, yeah, it looked like everyone was having a lot of fun, including the Braves. And even the guys that we've kind of been harping on. You know, I was going to get on here and talk to you about how uh, Ender and Ciarte needed to step it up and this and that. And I'm honestly glad that I did not do this show yesterday for multiple reasons. One being that I'm about to talk to you about here in a little bit. But, Ciarte came out and hit a bomb and, uh, and and really shut me up right off the rip. Ozzy Albies had a great game, 2-for-3 with a walk and an RBI. And even my boy Dansby from old Marriott High School. He's off to a decent start. He's 3 for 12 from the plate in the first couple games with a home run against the Phillies. So I'm not really freaking out yet. Dansby Swanson is someone who I'm a little nervous about, someone who I definitely want to see do well being a local guy from Marietta High School and uh, and a great defensive shortstop, and he showed that this year also. So, But like we talked about in the past, you can't get by with just being a great defensive shortstop. So you have to either hit, for, hit, hit with a little bit of pop or give us some average. And Dansby's done a little bit of both so far this year, so can't really get mad at him for that. Um, so, yeah. Everyone just take a deep breath. The first series might have been a combo of us being a little young and the and being a little – being a little not being a little young. Me, Yeah, that I can give you with the starting pitchers. Maybe maybe the environment was a little too much and being on the road and just opening day and maybe you got some jitters, maybe you got some rust you got to knock off. But maybe the Phillies are just pretty good also with, with the signings that they've made. I mean, it seemed like all the guys that played for the Phillies are all the guys that the Braves fans wanted to see us sign in the, or trade for in the offseason, guys like JT Real Muto their catcher and and their closer dave robertson but it is what it is they're in philly and uh and honestly some of these questions were also also um also shut up the other night uh excuse me last night against the cubs because with Sean only going four innings, they had to turn to the bullpen pretty early. And uh, this is something you never really want to see. But the Braves actually have a rare off day today. So you kind of could throw the whole pen last night and see what they got. They they were able to get in some of the guys that I really wanted to see in, in, in the bullpen in some roles. I know the Braves had the lead, but still, they were able to get in there and throw some strikes. Some guys like Jesse Biddle, a good lefty arm in the pen that I can see being a, 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 a guy that can come in for some matchups or maybe like a one to two like he did in this in this game a uh, middle 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 reliever definition of a middle reliever in my opinion AJ uh, excuse me uh, 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 my boy Sabatka came in and was throwing cheddar being the six foot six monster that he is off the mound and then my boy Visciano came in in the eighth and was also looking great throwing some plus plus off speed stuff and hitting throwing strikes unlike Sean Newcomb was able to do um, so that's always good to see your bullpen guys come in I know that some of the brave Fans complained about against Phillies, so uh, they were able to come and they were able to throw some strikes. And we still have Mike Soroka and Luis Gohara both still to come back. They both are injured, and I know that I read Soroka is supposed to start throwing this week, and I think Gohara next week. And um, if they don't get it done, honestly, Craig Kimbrel's still out there. So, uh, like I said, if I would have done this show yesterday, I probably would have came to you and said, you know, Braves maybe really need to look at Craig Kimbrell, and they need they need to maybe make a run at him again. But honestly, I heard an interview with Alex Anthopoulos yesterday on the radio here in Atlanta on 92.9, and he he, he kind of hinted around that they had they know what the free agent. He was like they, Dukes and Bell, the guys I really love to listen to on 92.9. They're on there from 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 two to uh, two to seven I believe yeah they they were they were really trying to grill him and uh, and being the general manager that he is he was giving a bunch of politically correct answers super unenthusiastic super uh, unenthusiastic for me as a fan listening to but something I guess he really well he didn't really you could tell he didn't want to say the wrong thing maybe get in because uh, they asked him they said you know are you guys not going to spend money until the stadium is paid off and the batteries paid off and that's something that Anthopolis really doesn't want to touch on because his bosses at Liberty Media will get mad of him if he comes out and says Nah, man I can't spend any money until until the stadium's paid off so that's something that we really don't want to see but uh yeah Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell still out there I don't foresee the Braves signing them I think they have everybody in camp or on the team either here in Atlanta or over in Gwinnett and they're gonna get they're gonna use them for this year and like I said Gohara and Soroka two bullpen guys that haven't that aren't in the fold right now that will hopefully be in the fold here soon and uh, Mike Fultanevich is actually set to make his Debut for the Gwinnett Stripers on the Gwinnett Stripers on Friday, the AAA team for the Braves. So hopefully Fulton Evitch will be back next week, and Gosman is still out too. Also Kevin Gosman, being the great pickup that we had from the Orioles last year. So everyone just, like in the words of Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X. Relax. Give him a month, and then we can freak out. I promise you guys, I will be the. First one to freak out on here and 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 talk about what the Braves need to do in order to make some 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 stuff happen, but they honestly looked great last night against the Cubs. I know, like I've, we talked about, the the baseball season is a grind, and a uh, hundred sixty hundred sixty plus games is 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 a lot of, is a lot of, uh, of of resume to look at. So we really don't want to look too much into these first three or four games, but. Another side story I want to little talk about real quick is that Tuki Toussaint is also in Gwinnett County and, and, and with the Stripers playing with the AAA team. Tuki is someone we talked about who I thought would maybe be a starter possibly going into the year this year. And I actually heard a, an interview with Brian Jordan on the radio today, and he said that he, he thought that Tuki Toussaint might have actually been with the big league club if the Braves would not have had the kind of weird schedule they've had to start out this year um, with them already having two off days going into the game tomorrow with one of the off days coming today so great to be able to come to you guys on the braves off day so uh yeah i mean they could easily bring tukey up to put him in the pen to be a reliever someone that has uh, plus plus off speed stuff a great fastball and uh is definitely a three three pitch guy with the change up in the slider and um but he could also come back up and be be a starting pitcher for the Braves. so everyone like i just said don't don't panic relax and uh, and I think our Braves might be okay, but it's funny because I, I hear that interview with Alex Anthopoulos yesterday, and they're grilling him about how the, the team might not spend any money until the stadium is is paid off and the batteries paid off. And then at about 12:27 today, exactly 12:27 today, I get an update on my phone, and I, I'm kind of shocked because I look at it and I'm like, all right, this isn't an April Fool's thing, is it? Because it's April second. I know there's some stuff came out yesterday. Tom Brady said he was retiring, uh, and and a couple of people fell for that. Pretty funny being an April Fool's joke. But it came out today that Ronald Cunha, my my guy Ronnie, he signed an extension with the Braves. Eight years, $100 million. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, No one had heard anything about this. Um, But it just shows you that, that with all these big contracts that we've talked about, On this show, I mean, shoot, we talked about Mike Trout. We talked about Nolan Arenado. We talked about Bryce Harper. If you have this young talent, you might as well lock him up sooner than later because the number that they're going to want per year is just going to continue to go up. And with eight years, $100 million, I mean, as sad as this is to say, honestly, if Acuna keeps playing the way he's playing and keeps on the trajectory he's on, this is going to be an amazing deal for the Braves, an extremely team-friendly deal. Uh, The team actually has a club option for... Uh, for the last two years of the deal, worth seventeen mil a piece, and that actually brings the deal up to one hundred twenty-four million dollars total if both those team options are are exercised. And Acuna is going to be with the team until he's thirty-one years old, being twenty-one now. And it's interesting because he's going to get an. Or, it's not interesting. It's crazy because he's going to be 31, and he's going to get another eight-year deal, 10-year deal when he's 31, and Lord knows what these guys are going to be making then eight, 10 years from now when he's going going through uh, going through this and, and renegotiating his, his contract. So big ups to the Braves. Big ups to Alex Anthopoulos locking up a stud in uh, Ronald Acuna, and and I know a lot of people come out today and they've said that. Who is Acuna's agent? Holy cow, this is a terrible deal for him. And, you know, I can see where you're coming from, but listen to this. I mean, like we've talked about in the past on this show, all this baseball money is guaranteed, y'all. If... God forbid, knock on wood. I'm knocking on the Atlanta fans. I'm knocking on a bunch of wood right now. But if Acuna were to get hurt tomorrow and never play a game for the Braves again, he's got that money locked up, and 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 he's he's able to take care of his family and 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 every all those that are close to him and and set up everybody for life. So shout out to Ronald Acuna, one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player out there for the Braves right now and in the league. Uh, he gets paid. He gets his eight year, hundred million dollar contract. So oh, Ronnie's a hundred dollar, hundred million dollar man now. He becomes the biggest, it's actually the biggest deal pre-arbitration for any player. He uh, he, he surpasses uh, the, the deal that uh, the Angels gave to Mike Trout prior to the extension they gave him this offseason and the, uh, the extension that the Houston Astros gave to LSU third baseman Alex Bregman. So Ronald Acuna, I mean, to be 21 years old and sign a $100 million contract. Can't really be mad at that. Huge win for the Braves. Can't knock the man for taking his money today because what happens tomorrow, God forbid, you never know. Um, we're right here at about 35 minutes. I was going to talk a little bit about the AAF and uh, they they actually suspended play today indefinitely. It's not looking good for the AAF. Um, I'm going to do some more research on this. I know that I read some stuff about the majority owner had something to do with a gambling app, and he really wanted to... Uh, push some sort of agenda with that gambling app, and the AAF was not really wanting to play ball with that, and maybe that was the the reason that he pulled his money. I know he was the majority stake owner, and so they had to suspend play. I know that it came out about a week or two ago that unless the AAF was able to work with the NFLPA, the league would fold. Something that's very sad to see, like I know we've dedicated a show in the past, got my cousin Gus G, Gus G. Money Handler on the show, talked to him about the AAF, and we were super optimistic about it. And it was, it was really looking good. And it, it's sad to see that that the league has been suspended as of right now. And things, like I said, not looking good. I'm going to actually go back, like uh, since this show's actually gone, particularly longer than we like to do. We're getting close to about 40 minutes now. And like I said, guys, give me some feedback. Let me know if you want me to talk a little more. I tried to slow down a little more in this episode. I tend to get going super fast sometimes, and I'm so excited I want to talk to you guys about stuff that I start talking a million miles around. And hour, uh, and I'm gonna try and kind of slow it down, give you guys a better better take on things. Had a couple cuts this episode So good to hear that and, or, or not good to hear that But good to, good to give you guys some nice clean content I know the last episode might not have been the cleanest But it was great stuff we're Super excited to be giving you guys this episode And uh, I'm going to definitely dig more into the AAF Especially with the XFL coming back around We don't want want that to be the, uh, the case with them That's something we're going to debate In the uh, next episode possibly But yeah, give me some feedback Let me know if you want me to go maybe a little longer In the episodes closer to 45 minutes to an hour Or right about 30 minutes is right about as long as you're gonna listen to my voice. So uh, episode 16, yeah, uh, I'm super excited to be giving you guys this content. Hopefully you like my my synopsises of uh, of the games, whether it's the Braves game or the basketball games. If you uh, if you want to hear me talk about anything else, feel free to give me a shout on Twitter at your uh, boy Reid Y A B O I R E I D. And uh, yeah, this show is brought to you by Peach State College Sports, like we talked about in the past. So shoot over there, uh, check out some articles. I'll be posting this on there, and uh, and you can see some other stuff regarding your schools but uh that's all we really have for you guys tonight i wanted to get this out to you right here at about like i said 38 and a half 34 39 minutes so uh that's all i really got for you guys so uh, as always if you can't be safe be careful i'm your boy reed and i'm out